Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Bay, and I'm Jay. And, and this is the part, is the part I don't, I don't get. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was episode fifty-three. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, because like the last one, I was like fifty-one question mark question mark question mark, and then I had to like triple double <laughs> check to make sure that this really was fifty-three and not fifty-two, and that last time was fifty-two and not fifty-one. Thank God you keep track. <laughs> I'd be I like uh, twenty-one. <laughs> I saw that Seinfeld episode that you were talking about hello. because you did the hello. Yeah. Because when you had mentioned that, I had no idea what you were talking about. So fairly recently, I saw I saw it and I was like, <laughs> oh, that's what she was talking about. Um, and then my husband was like, yeah, that's what I I always thought you were doing it because of that too. And I was like, oh, I just I don't even know where it came from. Yeah. But it automatically reminds me of Mrs. Doubtfire every single time. Yeah, maybe they, yeah, maybe they kind of like copied off of each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I always think of, I always think of Robin Williams. Hello! <laughs> every time, I always think of Robin Williams every time. And it's like, you know how people like say, like, bye, well, we yeah. have, we have, hello! hello. <laughs> so we're just doing it on the floor. It's definitely something I used to, well, I guess I still do with my mom, too. Oh, really? Okay. So maybe she's the one who like introduced it to us without maybe. Really realizing. I'm sure it's something that's deep in there. Yeah, there's so many things know. that just like we start doing and we don't even know where yeah. it came from. Exactly. You know, everyone accused you of imitating Sarah Palin. But <laughs> yeah, you were like, no, that's voice. just my the voice that I do. No, it's just totally made up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was really more from Drop Dead Gorgeous than anything else, you know. Alabama. And that would be that would be Kirsten Dunst, right? Who was the lead character in that story? We never saw that. No, nah. We saw it together. No, not another one of these. I can't there's no reason I would have watched that movie on my own at that age. You were definitely the one that that showed opened my eyes to quite a few pop culture I items. I was, I was definitely. I feel not like I remember aware. you talking about it all the time and wanting me to see it, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I saw it once, but you definitely, I think, were the first to discover that one. Yeah, because Brittany Murphy's in it, and then Kirsten Dunst is in it, and um, the mom oh, the was that woman who had that show because she got fat. And she what? used to not be fat. Oh, Christy Alley? Yes. I think oh, okay. You remember she gained weight and then she had her own reality show. Yeah, and I totally watched on it. Her, on her weight, which who cares? And she was in all the Pier 1 commercials. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't there like an SNL thing that I you saw? Kirstie so. <laughs> Alley's just around the corner or something. <laughs> I don't even know what you're, I don't even know. We'll yeah, have- I mean, I like Kirstie Alley. She was like the mom, I think, in that. I think. Yeah, I think you're I right. I, I, it, was, it was a stacked cast. We got, if you've never seen it, we got to see that one day. But I wonder did if you I see... can stand the test of time. <laughs> in, current, in current events, kind of touching on, on a topic that I did not too long ago, 
But did you see that that another person died due to a gender reveal? What? No. Yeah, a guy died. A, a dad to be died during some sort of fatal gender reveal mistake. What were they doing? I'm assuming it was up? another explosion of some kind. I mean, I guess they had. So the really dad learned. of the the baby they were revealing a gender of. Yeah, he died. <gasps> oh I know. Isn't that terrible? Oh my God, that's I awful. Know. I mean, I can't, I don't know exactly what it was um, because, you know, even when I was doing uh, the, the last story, um, they, you know, they kept saying like pyrotechnic device. They did, they weren't yeah. really like, like ex- explaining like what it was to, what it was, but yeah, it was a father to be in New York. So a device he was building for his child's gender re- reveal party exploded. Okay, so yeah, it's another explosion. Oh, like while he was building it. I guess, yeah. And so he was only 28 and it was in New York. That's awful. Um, yeah, and it happened, I, I believe, this past Sunday. Hmm. Well, yeah, and then the police said that they they don't they have not specified what device caused the explosion. So yeah, again, they're like vague or is it answers. But the 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 device consisted of some kind of pipe. Okay, well, I can imagine it's probably some sort of situation where something blows out of the pipe. I mean, can we just go back to the cupcakes and the <laughs> cutting of the cake? Why does it got to be like? I mean, but I just it's just not going to be worth it if you literally can't. Could you imagine being the mom to be? I know. You know, and now she's you know yeah now she's without you know without a husband and and then the child too i mean just like for the rest of their life you know like oh what happened like was it that important to you i know so i just saw that and i thought i thought for sure you you would have seen it but i guess not so i I was reminded of tiger woods being in a car accident that was like the only oh no no i just thought of that because it had to do with that um the topic because the topic that I did at the time there had been a fire you know the forest fire right and then there had been a couple of deaths but I don't believe they were in the U.S. there was like a car crash and then there was something else I think they were both in like Australia or maybe even the UK um so now this is you know Mm, just it just keeps the death toll keeps on rising you know let's let's uh let's just all make a pact to bring those gender reveals and take yeah, them let's down make a it notch. Pyro, pyrotechnic free or whatever i know one. yeah flame free yes like no, <laughs> no violent you know let's do maybe a balloon popping is as violent as we can get yeah i think balloon popping is about as 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 explosive as we can possibly handle but i feel terrible for for that person's family and for them but yeah you know really unfortunate well, i know so, well, I think it's it's your turn to go first. I think it is my turn as well. You're on the same page. Um, mine is a light topic. Is yours okay. a light topic? Yes, because I was like, I've been going too, too You've deep. You've been recently. going very deep lately. I was like, I need a light one to just <laughs> to help You've everyone been, recover. We've totally flipped sides because I'm over here talking about hobby horse competitions <laughs> and, and, and you're talking about like real serious yeah, I've started, to, it's, I've started to do more history. I know. We really flipped. We Although flipped. yours was more like paranormal stuff usually. 
this is true mine mine is dark in another way I've been kind of going towards like I guess current events because that's always like whatever is on my mind is kind of what influences my topic I know and I've always wanted to do stuff that's more that way but it's it's hard for me to get there I think it's a good balance what we have yeah so uh I decided to pull pull from your 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 thing and I'm gonna do all my sources in the beginning you always cite all your sources and I never do so I gotta be I, I gotta be more like in college because <laughs> actually actually I would say AP English class too in uh, high school yeah yeah I I mean I should I definitely have been taught to do that too but I just am lazy so uh, my sources are quite a few I, I, I really made a little lovely quilt here a little well, you, didn't uh, tell, you didn't tell us the topic I know I I'm gonna I'm gonna get into it but my sources are wikipedia linguisticator.com reddit reference.com medium.com quora.com grammaryourdictionary.com allocation.com and theanimalfacts.com so mine is another animal related I've been doing a lot of animal stuff because I mean if you can call hobby horse competitions animal related Um, So mine is based off of that. We had a little conversation during one of our older episodes where I mentioned a murder of crows and you you hadn't heard that before. And I was saying, yeah, it's like a weird term for a group of animals of, in that case, a a group of crows is called a murder. (laughs) And then I think I said at the time, I was like, this could be a whole other topic. And I was like, really like, you know, picking at straws here this week so I was like you know what let's just do that (laughs) I uh I said it already so you know I really teed up this one so this one is um about collective animal names such as that example that we had given to each other a murder of crows Mm -hmm. so some nouns make a lot of sense when you read uh, some nouns as far as collective animal names make a lot of sense when you read them or speak them out loud such as phrases like a pack of wolves, a herd of bison, or a school of fish. And these phrases all use terminology that refer to groupings of items or individuals. And you could even use them outside of the context of of specific species of animals. But some terms or words that are used to describe collective groups of animals are really, really strange. And here's an example. How do you think you would describe uh, a group of rhinos? Um, what do you think is the go-to? A horn of rhinos. <laughs> that You are so kind of on the nose there really? with the way that your mind is thinking though <laughs> just just keep like that horns. keep that there though because you are not it's not that far off Yay. i'm telling you you're gonna need this you're gonna need this thought process <laughs> later so uh, um not for this particular animal oh, okay. but for others I so was like really <laughs> so um but i know what you're thinking yeah they have <laughs> horns so it's a horn around. i got you yeah elementary so, level <laughs> So, you know, I wouldn't, I would immediately think like a herd of rhinos would be like the first thing. That yeah, but that, that was too easy. So I knew that's that. too easy. So you knew that wasn't it. So it's actually technically called a crash, a crash of rhinos. Yeah. I mean, cause you don't want them crashing into you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole narrative now. Um, yeah. So that's technically the term for a group of rhinos is a crash of rhinos. 
So these collective names are called, quote, terms of venery. So V-E-N-E-R-Y, terms of venery, end quote. And they date back as far as the Middle Ages, apparently. So um, they come from uh, hunting traditions where hunters could refer to the groups of animals or specific formations of animals with their super unique names. And then the terms were supposed to be complicated on purpose so that it would kind of infer that a hunter or a gentleman, I saw this many times, a gentleman hunter, a gentleman was more experienced in the sport of hunting and they had spent a lot of time hunting and then they studied hunting and animals and the tradition of hunting, you know, because they were, you know, familiar with this essentially hunter developed language. And so it's kind of like them being able to show off, like, you know, I'm a better hunter than you because I know it's cool to crush. Well, now we can all act like we know. (laughs) By the time I'm done with this topic, for sure. Um, So yeah, so hunters had kind of developed their own kind of language. And I thought that that was kind of interesting in itself. So my topic's about animals, of course, but it's also about kind of like the idea of language. And it really kind of boils down to the idea suggesting that language or types of language is really like a class issue, you know, because presumably the more detailed your knowledge of the hunting language, the more highly esteemed your hunting skills were. And, you know, you were probably like, you know, like a gentleman, a lord or lady, probably not a lady at the time, not during the middle ages, but um, that you were in that family of yeah and that you had better standing within the court yeah so it comes from um venery so v-e-n-e-r-i-e in the middle english and middle french and from the latin venor so um venery is is an old word used for for the word hunting um, and it came from France during the Middle Ages, and then it was eventually introduced to England and then made its way to Germany. But in reality, like who is to say, you know, what is actually correct? Because the majority of collective animal nouns are just totally illogical and they sound super silly and they don't really make sense if you're like saying it in a sentence. Um, yeah. So, like I said before, like these, these can be traced back through history from the Middle Ages, and many of these terms come from like single publications like almanacs, and there was one that they stated a lot, uh, the Book of St. Albans was like a, an example that had a lot of, of these examples from the 14th, 15th century. So I tried to think about like who actually gets to make that final decision, you know, like as to what the word is, because, you know, sure, okay, in the 14th and 15th century, we left it up to the almanacs, okay, and the hunters to make these decisions for us. But now, you know, (laughs) is it the same situation? Um, And so I looked that up to see like who gets to make that decision as to what the correct terminology is. And I found this quote, quote, who decides on the right collective noun for something? The short answer is no one, end quote. So essentially, I guess it's just really left up to people to decide. Kind of like when I was doing like the whole generations thing, like it's just kind of pop culture that makes it a thing. And um, I saw like they they mentioned 
lexicographers. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Lexicographers, maybe. Yeah, so those are the people who literally work on creating dictionaries. Okay. They compile facts for dictionary entries. They write the entries and they edit them. Um, and today's lex, okay, lexic lexicographer. <laughs> That's a really hard one. Yeah. Are, are describers of English rather than lawmakers. The definitions they write are based on evidence from thousands of collected texts, newspapers, scholarly journals, teen magazines, teen magazines, my goodness. Because I guess they're, you know, because dictionaries are changing. You know how like every year they're like the new Webster's Dictionary words are, and you know, like they've added slang terms. Oh and yeah. Like and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah text messages and from transcriptions of the spoken word so today's linguists can agree some they can't agree so some say that these terms represent common word usage because of the historical context but then other people say but they only came from like one publication so can we really say that it's like a historical fact when it really only came from one you know like when we're writing papers you know Got to find those three sources to back okay. it up and even like journalists yeah. <laughs> they need to have multiple sources to back up their facts that they state so a popular example yeah. is the phrase a murder of crows statistically people most commonly so they even studied that particular phrase well that would make sense with the hunting because they're murdering them <laughs> <laughs> i guess so statistically people actually say the word flock way more often than saying a murder when you're talking about a group of crows but we still have this term murder and that's supposed to be the technical term for the group of, of crows and this term can be traced back to the 14th and 15th century and people can only really guess at this point as to why where it came from some people think that it has something to do with the fact that crows have always been associated with death and violent death so maybe that's why maybe so um so you know and that's the thing like they really we don't have the origins of each and every single word because some of these animals are animals that you would not be hunting yeah i can only imagine some of them are not like like that so somewhere someone called them this and then now it's fact apparently <laughs> and i i looked up so many different websites because different websites have different words yeah. Um, and then some animals have multiple words. So I tried to think of like, uh, like our friends and like what their favorite animals were. So I tried to like find the, the terms for them. And um, so to, to kind of end the topic, I was going to end it with some examples here okay. of, of the animals. So um, and maybe we'll do a couple just to see what you can do. You, do you know what a, an, a group of apes is called? I have no clue. Just okay. a, like a family of apes. <laughs> Family's definitely a word that's used later on. It's a troop or a shrewdness. Shrewdness? A shrewdness of apes. Hey, look <laughs> at that shrewdness of apes over there. That's a long word. And it's like, <laughs> not... So kind of like what you were talking about when you were thinking of like the horn and the rhino, uh, a group of bats can be referred to as a cauldron of bats. You know, like the witch's cauldron. Oh, okay. Or See, that a, makes a, little more a sense. colony. 
a colony or a cauldron of bats. I don't know why, like, yeah, because like colony of ants, that always creeps me out. <laughs> that term, I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. That is what they call them. That's true. Huh, that did not make the list. I did, I did see ants earlier today, but I, I specifically only chose, because I mean, the lists were super long. Yeah. A group of bears is a sleuth or a sloth. So I thought that was weird that they're using a completely separate <laughs> animal to describe this animal. A buffalo, a group of buffalo are an obstinacy or a gang. <laughs> a gang of buffalo, an obstinacy of buffalo. Cats are a clouder, a pounce. So kind of like what you were thinking with the horn, a pounce of cats. Okay a glaring of cats or a destruction of cats if they're wild cats. So I guess if they're like feral cats, then they're a destruction. Destruction. <laughs> and I'm assuming that's like kind of like the small like household cat is what they're referring to there because then they have all these other bigger cats like cheetahs is a coalition. <laughs> that's a, uh, wow. Dogs are a litter if they're puppies, a pack if they're wild and a cowardice if they're curs. I don't know what a cur is, but that's <laughs> a whole so other many research interesting point. words in like the dog universe. And then I wanted to kind of throw in some that are like generic that we're aware of just to know if we're saying it right. So a, a group of dolphins is a pod, a pod of dolphins. I feel like I might've heard of that. <laughs> a group of donkeys is a pace or a drove. A group of elephants are a herd, a parade, or a memory. Aww. So cute because elephants supposedly have really good memories. So that kind of like makes sense. Oh yeah, um, duh. <laughs> a group of elk is also called a gang. So I guess is that where the term gang came from before it was used for like, you know, a gang of people? Like and that's the thing is that I wonder if all of these really do date back to the Middle Ages because some of them sound like they're way more modernized. Yeah. So I bet you this list has been updated throughout time and then added to throughout the last hundreds, few hundred years, I'm guessing. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Ferrets are called a business. <laughs> that's cute. Uh, a hob, if they're male, if it's a bunch of male ferrets. Jill, if they're a bunch of female <laughs> ferrets. A Jill of ferrets. I don't know if, if <laughs> it's kind of weird because it's not like a plural name. Just, I know. Look it's, at that Jill over there. <laughs> they just picked um, a random woman's name. Like, how about Jill? That's a woman's name, right? Okay. I know. And uh, Kits. K-I-T if they're babies. And I think kits is also what you call a baby box. Giraffes are called a tower, a tower of giraffes. And then I, I saw like, so guinea pigs, you know, they're small animals. And then I just kind of caught a little chuckle over the group of guinea pigs is actually also called a herd, which I thought oh. that was really funny because they're like, what? Yeah, two like, pounds? what are they gonna do, trample them? <laughs> Look at that herd of guinea pigs coming our way. Uh, we better watch out. <laughs> Hippos is uh, a C, like S E A, a C, okay. a thunder or a bloat. So a thunder of hippos or a bloat of his hippos. 
And then some of them get really specific like horses. Um, a herd is for wild horses, a band, a team. A rag of horses is when you're referring to colts, like, like the baby horses. A string is only used for ponies, so a string of ponies. Uh, a field of horses is when it's race horses only. And then the last one was a stable of horses. So that one, I don't know if that's really referring to them being in a stable or if we could use that anywhere. A lark, which I believe is a type of bird, is exaltation, an exaltation of larks. Lemurs are a conspiracy, <laughs> a conspiracy of lemurs. Uh, lions are a pride, a pride of lions, or a sought, S-A-W-T, of lions. Monkeys are a troop or a barrel, a barrel of monkeys. Uh, and mules are a pack, a span, might be spawn, but I think it's span, or barren, a barren of mules. This one was cute. A, a group of narwhals is known as a blessing. Oh. A blessing of narwhals. A group of octopus. Who's ever seen a group of octopus together? I, I don't know. If I see that, I'm running the other way. I thought that they were kind of solo, like solitary yeah. animals, but um, a group of octopus, or excuse me, octopi, are a consortium, a consortium of octopi. Um, otters, and they didn't talk about whether it was a freshwater otter or a sea otter, but it, otters are a raft a romp or a family. So a family of otters, a romp of otters, a raft of otters. Owls are a parliament, a parliament of owls. Penguins are also a raft if they're in water. Rookery, colony, huddle, tuxedo, mm. or a waddle if they're on land. Oh. Pigs are a drift, a drove, a sounder, a team, or a passel. This one I also thought was super cute. Polar bears are a celebration or a pack or an aurora, like the aurora borealis is my guess. And this was one that's kind of like what I thought of when you said the horn of rhinos. A group of porcupines is a prickle. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> A group of pugs is a grumble, which if you've ever actually pet a pug, it's pretty straightforward. They're, they're really, they like grunt and are kind of noisy. Yeah. A, a group of rabbits is also called a colony. So watch out. They're also called a nest, a warren, a husk, a down, or a herd. A group of rats are called a mischief. A group of salamanders is called a maelstrom, which I also thought was kind of silly because salamanders are kind of small. So I wouldn't think of a, a maelstrom. A shark is a shiver, a shiver of sharks. A skunk, a group of skunks are a stench or a surfeit. Sloths are a bed, a bed of sloths. Snails are a walk, a route, or an escargatoire, I guess, because of like the escargot kind of thing. Tigers are a streak or an ambush. Turtles are a bale. Sea turtles, I did this one for you, are mm -hmm. a bale, a nest, a turn, or a dole. 
D-O-L-E. A tortoise is a creep. Whales are a pod, a gam, or a herd. And then the last one of zebras are a herd, a zeal, or a dazzle. Oh. <laughs> dazzle of zebras, or as the Brits say, zebras. <laughs> and that is it. No, well, that's very interesting. I did not know they had names for every single animal. Like, definitely complicates things, but it's also very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's supposed to be complicated on purpose. Yeah. That, the, the, that was it. The smarter people, the richer, higher class. I know. <laughs> the snobby. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of snobby, <laughs> I know kind of relates to my topic um okay. not not to judge because i there, i also kind of relate to it in a way my topic okay. is the the um middle minimalist movement that's been going on lately Are you referring to that netflix show it was there was a netflix documentary are you oh, thinking was of was it a documentary i thought well, it was a documentary series well there was the marie kondo show yeah. Are you thinking of her? Yeah. So no. she, there's one that actually said it's like got the word minimalism in the title. And I yeah. was considering watching it because you well, know how you and I have talked many times about how we own too much crap. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, <laughs> I think why I was like interested in it. Um, so my sources were the minimalist.com, okay. um, an article called or a research article called Towards a Theory of Minimalism and Wellbeing. And then an article called The Empty Promises of Marie Kondo and the Craze for Minimalism by Kyle Shaika Chaka. Um, <laughs> so, and this is not to be confused with the art form of minimalism, which also came up when I looked it up. Yes. Yeah. So, so you're talking about like owning less, yeah, not so, artwork. Yeah. The, when I, my topic is about like the, the idea of, ridding yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important so you can find happiness fulfillment fulfillment and freedom and that was a quote by joshua fields milborn and ryan nicodemus who like i, I don't I, I don't want to say they're like they're the founders of it but they're the most popular minimalists. Okay. they have like a podcast they were the ones oh. that had the documentary on netflix um but the thing about the, this whole movement, it doesn't really have like set out rules or anything, mm -hmm. but it's basically the idea that um, if you get rid of, you know, stuff that you really don't need in your house and, and just kind of focus on what is important, it's going to help you kind of redirect yourself and kind of learn how to live in the moment more and just feel more satisfied and I guess even more grateful for the things that you have. Um, so it's it's from the what I read that the minimalist movement kind of became popular around 2008 during the recession and the okay, makes housing sense. you know crash and all that um, because people realized hey um, you know money's not great right now like we can't <laughs> just keep buying whatever we want mm -hmm. um, and then around in 2010 was when Marie Kondo published her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up um, in Japan. Um, and she is not a self-proclaimed 
minimalist, but I think she should really get some credit for starting this, you know, making it very popular because she's really I'm one of the people that contributed to the idea of at least decluttering. Um, yeah. When I think of her, I think of, of decluttering. I don't necessarily yeah. think of the buzzword minimalism, but yeah, she should get, she is amazing. I know. I want <laughs> I to like her. my house so bad. I could watch. I know. I know. Teach me, Marie. Teach me to fold that fitted sheet. I will. Like I will. About her too. That's so innocent. She's just mm -hmm. so like kind and gentle. Yes. Um, but so she's an a quote unquote organizing consultant. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's that's probably her, yeah. her process is for those who aren't familiar. She will. Um, she has you go through your stuff by categories. So for example, clothes, she'll have you take all your clothes, throw it out on the bed or, or just put it out in front of you and take each thing, hold it in your hand and ask yourself, does this spark joy? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's a long process, but it's, um, you know, from the, from what I gathered from the show, it was a very emotional experience for some people. And a lot of times they went in having like, it was maybe a couple that had like marital issues or, um, you know, just different relationship problems. And they would go through this process and I, it was kind of life-changing for them, which is kind of hard to believe. But, um, you know, cause I think it's also like, like kind of a trip down memory lane for some people. I remember yeah. um, a couple and one of the guys was a, he was a writer and he, held on to all of his everything he'd ever written and you know and, and he would read stuff about and he was like oh this is when I first came out and it was just like you know it was a very um you know it was it opened up a lot of memories for him and you know probably some good good memories and maybe not so good memories and just things that he'd been through and how far he'd come um so her idea is goes kind of with like minimizing in order to maximize, which is kind of similar to Joshua Fields and uh, Ryan Nicodemus. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but so- Sounds good to me. <laughs> so their website um, talks about minimalism and they say it is a lifestyle that helps people question what things add value to their lives by clearing the cl clutter from life's path, we can all make room for the most important aspects of life, health, relationships, passion, growth, and contribution. So um, he, they say that, the, that minimalism gives them a sense of freedom. Uh, it can eliminate our discontent, reclaim our time, live in the moment, pursue our passions, discover our missions, experience real freedom, create more, consume less, focus on our health, grow as individuals, contribute beyond ourselves, rid ourselves of excess stuff, um, discover purpose in lives. So that's kind of what they claim that the, that minimalism can do. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they did talk about, um, I think it was Josh was kind of the main focus of the documentary. And he was saying, you know, he grew up poor, uh, you know, on, you know, different kinds of government aid, just experienced all sort of terrible abuse in his life. And he just thought, if only I could have like enough money, yeah, you know, not have this lifestyle. Um, so he just kind of got him and his friend, um, 
uh, oh God, what's the other guy's name that I just said wrong? <laughs> oh, Ryan. Okay. So, um, you know, Ryan recalls how when he was like on a job with his dad, he was painting and it was like this really nice house. And he's like, well, how much money would I need to make to like have a house like this? And at mm -hmm. the time his dad said, yeah, probably about $50,000. And then, so he got like, just very obsessed with the idea of like, I need to make $50,000. So they both after um, high school got um, sales jobs. And he said, you know, he, he made like the $50,000 and you know, still wasn't able to live the life that he wanted. And he's like, oh, I didn't adjust for inflation. So it's like, and they did end up, you know, both, I think, making a good amount of money um, and then just realized like it, they always had to be buying more and more stuff. And it just never felt like they never felt fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, and for Josh, it was when he, his mom, unfortunately, passed away and he went to her house to clean everything up. And he was like, there was just like stuff everywhere. And he said he went under her bed and there were like these four boxes and it was like stuff of his from like elementary school. And um, this is a part like, I, I I wasn't really a fan of because I felt he was kind of judgy. And he's like, I mean, she, like all my stuff was just in boxes. Like, why would she hold on to that stuff? She's not even gonna look at it. But it's like, you know, that's like your mom, like, Mm -hmm. like that stuff's important to her and even though like maybe she doesn't look at it all the time it's still like sometimes just having it is brought her joy yeah under under that bed and and he <laughs> like so like I think that was his turning point but um and he just he said he just kind of like I can't remember what his process was but he just slowly kind of started getting rid of things um and uh, the other guy, Ryan, he said his his way was very interesting. He decided he was going to pack up everything in his house. So Ryan, uh, Josh came over and helped him. They packed up everything in their house. And then he would take out things that he needed. And he found that about- After the packing? Yes. And then Gosh, he was- sounds like that took forever. <laughs> I know that's like a, uh, I mean, I get the idea, but my- No, I understand the idea too, but who has the time? I mean, first of all, I hate packing. Um, I mean, who likes it? But, but like to just pack and not go anywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, the time. And then you'd have to like get the boxes and you'd have to label everything. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he did all that, but well, I think, yeah, I mean, you'd have to. Um, and so he said that he ended up like only using, I think, like 20% of everything he packed up. So he just, I think after like three weeks, he just donated the rest. Okay, um, at least he donated it. Yeah, well, well, that's well, they kind of like reenacted it in the in the documentary, and it, it said like donate on the box. So I'm like, I'm I'm hoping he donated it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm assuming at least some stuff, but um, I don't know the like the documentary. I just felt like it was kind of repeating the same thing over and over, and there wasn't you know I I like to see my research. I like to see it backed up, and they're just like they had interviewed a lot of people that had become minimalist and were all saying like, oh, it changed their life and everything. And it's so great. Um, but of course, Jay is skeptical. <laughs> and they, but they did make a lot of good points. Um, you know, you, I, we've talked about this. You are the perfect person to watch a documentary. For me, I am just eating it up spoonful no, no, after spoonful. Did... But you're like, I want to see the other side. <laughs> 
Well, normally documentaries do get me. Like if it's a good one, it'll get me. You know, and be like, oh, that person definitely murdered that other person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> um, but like for this, it was just like, a, it just felt like these two guys just kind of like on their high horse a little bit. Um, but they did talk about how um, adult, or maybe this is on their website, but it said uh, um, adult Americans throw away more than 68 pounds of clothing every year. Yes, clothing and fabric alone account for a huge portion of the world's waste. Really? It's nuts how much, yes, because you know, like I myself am into a lot of textile art anyway I quilt and sew and things like that and I would love to make my own clothes mm -hmm. but that's something that I've I've researched and read and then watching even shows like Project Runway and stuff like that they've they've touched on how how much waste is is associated with that now they have all kinds of things that people are inventing I just saw a video the other day this woman is literally making bricks out of like essentially like I guess squished and crumbled up fabric. And she's oh, like, wow. you can use this. And she's in the UK. So she's like, you can use this for insulation for your house and oh, things yeah. like that. And it's just like trying to reuse the waste. Yeah, because it's hard to get rid of that. They really need to start thinking about, I mean, obviously plastic is a big situation yeah, in the world, but highest. fabric is because it doesn't degrade in the same yeah. way similar to plastic. You know, it's around for a long time. Yeah. And with so many opportunities to donate clothes, I'm just surprised. But I maybe, know. maybe a lot of the clothes are like soiled and stuff. So maybe they can't even, like, they have no choice but to throw them away. The only thing I throw away are like socks, underwear, and things that have like holes yeah. in them. Yeah. And, but I donate everything. If, if it's, if it's going, it's, that's where it's going. There you go. Me too. I try. But then do the places that we donate them well, to, do they yeah, throw them away too? I don't know. I've always wondered that. They have to meet certain standards. I think. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then 20 to 21% of working Americans uh, say that they aren't saving any money for retirement. And um, many of the ones who are saving put away no more than 10% of their income. So it's like, we're not kind of planning for the future. We're just buying, buying, buying now. Um, and the average American household has 300,000 items. Which I'm oh like, my God a lot that's a lot of things but are we counting like every every fork every spoon i have no idea because like even just in like your cutlery drawer you probably have at yeah. least 50 things i would think that would just be one thing but who knows or like you know every square of toilet paper <laughs> um and then the average family in america spends one thousand seven hundred dollars on clothes each year which i didn't think that sounded that bad like one thousand yeah like, if you're a family of like four, you know, I don't know, Yeah. but especially if you're, you have kids that are growing, but I guess mm -hmm. you can get donation or donated clothes. Um, so, you know, that's all very, you know, that's, it's definitely concerning for sure. Um, so I, I did find some research on like, does minimalism do all the things that they're saying it does? Mm -hmm. um, so there was a, a small study done. It was um, the one that's called Towards a Theory of Minimalism and Well-Being by Casey Lloyd and William Pennington. Um, they defined minimalism as um, an in 
increasingly popular low consumption lifestyle whereby people deliberately live with fewer possessions. So they interviewed 10 minimalists and found that um, people that um, uh, people that are minimalists or identify as minimalists in this study reported feelings of um, competency, autonomy. They reported feeling more mindful and savoring the day, calmer, mm -hmm. happier. Um, they said they saved mental energy. And this one I could really relate to, like <laughs> not having to look for things or make choices. Oh, yeah. I waste so much time in the morning looking for two socks or mm. like a pair of pants. And a lot of it is like, uh, if I could just get more organized, actually kind of at work too, a little bit <laughs> like, oh, if I could just find that one piece of paper that's in a pile, but <laughs> there is another study of, of, uh, a thousand, 1,050 participants. And I, I had to pay like, you'd have, you'd have to pay like $30 to read the actual article. So I just read the abstract. So the abstract nice. said that it, <laughs> it did help to alleviate depression, but it, obviously didn't say like what their methods were or anything like that. But so those, I mean, you know, there's still not like a lot of research done on it yet since it is kind of new, but I think, you know, there'll be more in the future. But one of the big um, criticisms I saw in a few different articles was that, you know, it kind of like has this like claims to be like anti-consumerist, but a lot there's a lot of like branding and marketing going on yes. within the movement of minimalism. Like mm -hmm. I got to get all those drawers and organizers and labels. Yeah. And yeah. Label like maker. yeah, just buy these five books and buy this book have less. Mm -hmm. and you too will, um, you know, rid your life of all these problems. <laughs> but I think, and I've noticed this, like being at home more because the pandemic, like yeah. I'm much more aware of all the crap that I have yeah. that is, like in my way word. <laughs> so I think that's a huge reason why it's become so popular, especially now. And it's like, you have more time to think about it or to kind of stress about it. Like, holy shit, my house is a mess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it is, I know you understand this. It's so much more difficult when you have a partner that oh yeah doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have, you know, isn't on the same page as you of how many belongings <laughs> I need. <laughs> um, but yeah, and actually when I was looking, I, um, I saw they have that, that new movie, Nomad Land or whatever with, oh God, what's her name? Francis, help me out, Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I need more than that. Francis. McDermott? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I don't need more than that. Yeah, I knew it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she like, she basically becomes like a minimalist and starts like, going across the country it's like that show that or a movie that we watched where they were like they were like travelers you remember but they were like anti they were like kind of almost like terrorists you remember when they it was like the circle or something and they were doing a jam oh yes <laughs> <laughs> They were like against people who were polluting. Yeah, I remember your husband kept making fun of that. We're gonna do a jam. <laughs> <laughs> they, but they were they were yeah, yeah kind of like the Robin Hood, yeah. if you will. And they, yeah, they, but they were, were like, like the... they didn't own any possessions either. Elliot Page was in it and um Skarsgard, Alexander. Yeah, Alexander that was Skarsgard? actually pretty good. And they were all about living off the land and not owning things. And but they were they were against people who were like 
you know, they were like poisoning people in the Yeah, they were they were like and like they left. were trying they to, were, you know, fight the poor man's fight, if you will. Yeah. Little extreme. Yeah. But um Or yeah. like into the wild, same situation, or like that movie The Wild, but I guess yeah. she wasn't giving up her all of her possessions permanently and she was just doing yeah. it temporarily to go on a walk it's just getting away from the hustle and bustle of mm-hmm. yeah and it's like the idea that like if I just have like the next best thing um I'll be happy that's mm-hmm. that is one thing that I I liked about the documentary like this idea that like we think if I have this or if I do that I'll be happy like you know and I and I think the the idea of happiness has shifted a lot where we're focusing more on gratitude and like being happy mm-hmm. with what you have, um, which I think is, is really important. Something mm-hmm. it kind of touches on in minimalism, but they could probably do like a little, maybe more, like not necessarily like get rid of all your stuff, but just like, well, be happy with what you have, like see the good and stuff. Um, and like another like critique, I guess, was that, um, you know, it, like the weirdness or the, you know, some of the knickknacks, like kind of give it a personality, like mm-hmm. give you, gives your house a personality. Because if you look up minimalist, like it's got like millions of um, like posts on Instagram, but it's all very the same. It's all like white and like kind of yeah. sterile looking. And it's like very like kind of like seen as like a privileged, you know, kind of like lifestyle, mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of celebrities are doing it so it's like you know it's not something like that everyone can do like some people are forced to be minimalist because they don't have money it's not like I want to get rid of all my shit so it's um that you know that was a little like kind of annoying (laughs) about it (laughs) And, and the idea of like you can be counterculture if you're just like us (laughs) yeah so but I mean it does seem like uh, you know maybe not going full minimalism but just kind of you know taking inventory taking a moral inventory (laughs) (laughs) it is so interesting that um uh you are I mean I'm telling you I was like I want to say it was probably like two months ago where I went on like an organizational craze and I just like because I think I watched um that show on netflix about the two friends oh yeah i watched that that were um organizers for a living yeah yeah and they of course they have a whole product line yeah um but it was interesting they were really good like they were but everything that they bought was from the container store so i don't know i know they they must have had a contract with them (laughs) maybe their line is sold in the container store. I, I don't know, but cause it sounded like they had a brand and that they really got super popular off of things like social media and Instagram. And they really built their own brand from like the ground up yeah. and they were really interesting people. And, you know, they really acknowledged the differences in everyone's lifestyle. And they were really all about, you know, organizing based off of what fit their needs. And they yeah. did the same thing with the whole like categorize. And they, did, they were the ones who did it by color, right? Because that's like a huge. They liked a lot of color. Yeah. They liked organizing by color because I do they said like it was easier one. to find things yeah. that way. And that's a lot of like, I remember when I watched Marie Kondo, she said the same thing because she said, when you're, you're more likely to buy more things when you can't find what you're looking for. 
So when you organize things, you want to put them in a, in a place that makes sense so that you're not ending up buying more than you need. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. And then she also said like, you know, like, for example, like we all suffer from the situation of like the t-shirt drawer or the sack drawer. Yeah. And, you know, we fold that sucker and it is beautiful for like a day. Yeah. And it's because you like are ruffling through it to find what you want. So she was all about folding them in a specific way so that you can see everything so that you're not then taking things yeah. out. I love what she did with the shirts. Like, I think I tried that once and I, I remember. now. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> not regularly, but I remember once like I opened my drawer and I was like, I just felt this like happiness <laughs> wash over me. I was like, wow, it looks so nice. Now, I think she rolls the t-shirts. So what I do is I fold them and I fold them in that way where it's like a row of books kind of thing. Yeah, and it gives and you so much more space. Versus then stacking them on top, like a pile. Yeah. So I, I do that. I have my three rows of shirts now and it's all because of her. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> And the other two ladies. <laughs> but I went a little organizational happy around like, I think December and stuff. And I was just like, I am so sick and tired of looking all this nonsense in my house. I need to change yeah. it. And like the room where I work from home, I bought like a shelf and things like that. And I bought another shelf and, and I bought like these containers to put things in. And then I, you know, went through all my closets and everything and started getting rid of stuff that way. And then I bought like the little things to put in, in the actual drawers so that I have my neat rows and they don't you know, fold in on each other. And like the little thing to put your socks in mm -hmm. and like your underwear in. So I went a little nuts around December and January because I, wa I was watching these shows and I was like, I, I need, I need some organization. And I would say like, it really did. It, it made me feel so much better. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, it's, I would say counterproductive to the idea of minimalism because I had to buy more stuff. Yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but I was more towards organization. And then I, I like made a huge Amazon wish list for like other types of organizational things that I want to get. I was like, okay, next paycheck. This is what I'm <laughs> And I, I kind of stopped because I was like, I'm spending too much money. <laughs> I think you would be a good, um, like, you could be a third one of those girls. Oh my gosh, that would, that be, would be your dream job dream, right there. Dream, dream For, for those job. of you who don't know, <laughs> Bay used to come over and, like, clean my entire room. And that's quite... And other people's rooms too. Other people's rooms. That's what we did for fun. That's what I did for fun. And I'm telling yeah. you, I just loved it. Whenever I had I to love organizing people's stuff, often she was like, she would help me like just get rid of shit. Like, <laughs> you still wear this? All right, this is going in the no pile. She was. Gonna... I love it. I really, really love that. I just I like find it so overwhelming because I'm like, I, I yeah. guess my anxiety kicks in, and I'm just like, like, okay, that could go in that pile, but maybe it should go in that pile. Like you, I turn into like a perfectionist and then I just kind of like give up. <laughs> well, that's why you got to do the whole categorize thing first. Yeah. But that's the thing. I'm like, there's some that don't fit in either category. Well, and then they first. go in the misc category. I, I have a distinctive memory of going, I categorized your drawers in your desk and you had the electronics drawer. That was great. I used that. And I, I was like, okay, car. here's the electronic store. It was like no, literally was every phone charger you've ever owned in your entire life. <laughs> I think I stole. Well, not just, yeah. 
kind of have that. <laughs> I remember you laughing at me because I was like, all right, here's one for the electronics store. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. It was so very helpful. It's very like obsessive, but like I think it's like a it's a Virgo thing. So yeah, but absolutely. it's you have the you have the other Virgo trait, which is where it it you want to organize, but then you also like get a little bit of anxiety because it is overwhelming and it's yeah. a lot. And oftentimes when you do like, clean, you yeah, like make a you, bigger mess. Because yeah, when you're and piling then when you're out with someone else, and that's the even harder because I'm like, I don't know if he uses this or not. It's so many gadgets, and I'm like, well, I don't want to throw it away or get rid of it, and then he like needs it, you know? Yeah, well, I don't really have that fear. I would love to get rid of a lot more. I really yeah. would. But, and I like that whole idea because like you have to give yourself some sort of criteria as to what stays and what goes. That's so the true. idea of what Marie Kondo said, sparking joy, that makes sense. Like, how do you make that criteria for yourself? How do you decide what stays and what goes? And I was like, well, does it give you anything in your life? Like, does it yeah. make you happy? You know, and, and it, that kind of goes back to like the hoarders stuff, you know, like, <laughs> they're keeping yeah, trash like the hoarders. And, you know dead animal bones and and things like that and it's like what is this giving you like you know expired food and yeah like, like what that. is this cup of roaches it <laughs> <laughs> was a real episode no it was a bowl <laughs> of roaches actually no really i thought yeah. you were joking no oh. watch, watch it was on hoarders mm. she's like i wish get it throw it out <laughs> <laughs> They weren't like pets no it was oh, okay they were just dead from her house oh nice and that was where that was their she categorized those <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and it was in the kitchen too of all places oh lovely mm -hmm. well that's where i want to keep my my bowl of roaches yeah i think good ending spot right there <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, that's definitely something to think about. There's, it's good. You, you brought up a lot of very good points that it's like a, it's a, you know, it depends on how you look at it. There's different perspectives for everything. Yeah. So is it an elitist thing? Is it, is it a, you know, a soother for your anxiety and depression? Is it good to kind of, you know, take that inventory or, you know? Yeah. I think it helps people feel in control and that yeah. kind of helps maybe kickstart like you know, them doing, taking control of other aspects of their life. It's like, Hey, if I can do this, like the idea that people say, like, make your bed every day, mm -hmm. like the whole fresh start. It thing. does take work though, to keep that organized. Yeah. What was that? It was at the end of your topic. That was it? All right. Well, that was a good one. Thank you. That was very good. I liked it. It was good for myself. I now I feel like I want to just start organizing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. The next time I'm allowed to go over to your house, you yes. watch out, you sister. Do a virtual session. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, turn the camera. All right. Well, check us out on Facebook and Instagram on this is the part I don't get. And feel free to email us at the part I don't get at gmail.com. And we will catch y'all later in uh, mm -hmm. two in two Thursdays from now. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.